So as you know, if you know anything about me, I love to pray. I'm a prayer walker. Um, you may see me around the community, and I try not to be weird, because like if I've got a worship song on, you know, I mean, especially 10,000 armies. I mean, I'm, I'm coming down this morning, Fairmont, and I try if I see a car coming just to walk. But like I'll get like in the spirit, and like I'm doing this, and I'm calling on Jesus, and I'm, so they kind of call me the crazy prayer walker. And, um, but I love it because I'm praying for you, and I'm praying for our church, and I'm praying for revival, and I'm praying for the spirit of God to move, because I was birthed in prayer. See, my parents were praying parents. I can vividly remember exactly seeing my daddy kneel down at his bedside in his pajamas every single night praying for his four daughters. It is a memory that I will never forget. I can hear him praying. I can hear him praying my name and for my husband and what I would do and God's protection. He was a praying warrior papa. Daddies, if your children don't have that image, here I am at my age, and I still vividly remember my daddy on his knees for me. And then my mommy was a crazy woman. She was cray-cray crazy. So she grew up in an abusive home, was abused as a child, given up for adoption at a very young age. And then she came to faith in Christ when she was a teenager. So she felt that every wayward, stray, crazy person in St. Louis, where I grew up, needed a home. And so the joke in our home was, if you weren't home by 10 o'clock, you weren't guaranteed a bed. And that's true. And so I don't know who would be in my bed when I got home. Because my mother would open our home, but she taught me what praying without ceasing was. You ever read this a scripture, pray without ceasing? And you're like, well, I got to go to work. Like, how do I do that? And my mommy taught me how to do that because whenever the spirit would prompt me, she'd say, pray. So we'd be driving and we'd hear an ambulance and she'd say, let's pray right now for them. And a friend would come home and I would tell her about they're dealing with drugs. Let's pray for them. She'd hear about somebody. Let's pray for them. See, she taught me about praying without ceasing because praying without ceasing is praying when you're prompted. When the Spirit of God prompts you, pray. That's what praying without ceasing is. So I was birthed in prayer. I loved to pray. I was anointed to pray. I had pretty much prayed my whole life. And, uh, but it wasn't until we started this church 10 years ago that I started praying circles. You see, there's a book called The Circle Maker, and I want to encourage you to get it. We actually ordered copies. It's in our store out there. Make sure you stop by the store. Ladies, check out our Women of Influence wear. Um, let me just quit commercials. Some people go, well, like, why do you have a clothing line? Isn't this a church? Mm-hmm. Next question. Um, I don't get that. Um, I just happen to like fashion. I don't think I'm a fleshly person, but I like fashion. And it's a way that literally everything you buy goes to, uh, a percentage of that goes to our empowerment program, and it goes to women of influence. I don't make any money. Just so you know, it goes to our ministry. And it's a way that I can use a vehicle because you're going to buy clothes anyway. If you don't go to TJ Maxx, then you might as well go, you know, Phil talks about me going, TJ Maxx does pretty good, right? But, but, but come on, I mean, check out our shop. But on your way out, um, pick up the Circle Maker. So um, I was reading the Circle Maker when we birthed this church. And Mark Batterson, the author, talked about walking circles around the things you're believing God for. So I decided I wanted to meet him. So Pastor Phil and I and George and Lisa Haynes jumped on a plane, and we went to Washington, D.C., and we sat down with Mark Batterson, and we said, explain circle walking to us. What is prayer walking? And he began praying around Washington, D.C., and that he birthed the church, and check him out. Amazing what God's done with that man in Washington, D.C. And I came home, and I started walking circles around our community, all over the community, and that's how this building was birthed and found. I'm walking my circle. I live off Serrano, and I'm coming down, and I'm walking this street, and I see a for sale sign on the post office. 
And I called Phil and I said, the post office is for sale. He said, so? I said, we need a building. We're meeting at that time in the theaters. I was tired of meeting in the theaters. I was tired of smelling like popcorn and nachos when I went home from church. I just, it was, I was done and I was ready for a building. And I started circling this building like a crazy lady. And I could see, I could see then what I see today. See, if you don't see in the supernatural realm what you're asking God for, you don't see anything. I saw you sitting here. I saw this as a building, as a church in Anaheim Hills called Influence Church, and we were going to take our community. If God doesn't show you something in the supernatural realm, then you only see what you can see. So you've got to start asking God to show you in the supernatural realm what he has for you. And we just move forward with this building, and that's a whole miracle how God gave us this building. I believe that God wants us to pray, but maybe you struggle with prayer. Maybe you're kind of like the little old man at the Wailing Wall. There was a little old man, and every day, twice a day, he went to the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem and prayed. For 60 years, he prayed at the Wailing Wall. Well, a reporter heard about it, so she went. She thought she'd interview the old man and see what he was up to. She found the little old guy, and she said, Sir, I heard that you have come to the Wailing Wall every day for 60 years and prayed. Oh, I do it twice a day for 60 years. Well, sir, may I ask you, what do you pray for? Oh, I pray for peace in the world. I would pray that the hatred would stop. I pray children would grow up with peace and harmony and destiny. Sir, may I ask you, after 60 years of praying at the wall, how's it going? Honestly, I feel like I'm talking to a wall. <laughs> Ba-boom. Okay, come on, give me a little. I searched hard for a joke to give you today. But do you ever feel like you're talking to a wall? Like you just come to God and like it's a wall. It's bouncing back. Listen, when you pray, you need to pray with power and authority and victory and destiny. When you pray, see, prayer is talking to God. And the reason I really feel compelled to talk about this, and it really hit me about uh, maybe a month ago when I heard our president say, pray for Afghanistan. And I thought, did you? Do you? Will you? See, I'm tired of people saying pray for something as a byword. How many times do you ask someone to pray for something as just a gesture? If you're going to pray, pray. Don't ask someone to pray for you if you don't want prayer. And I'm t- I came under this conviction because I feel like you're talking to a wall, first of all, because you're not praying. I want to explain what prayer is because I had the advantage of growing up and having mentoring parents teach me. But a lot of people don't understand, I don't know how to talk to God. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that today. But I want you to understand when you pray, you come to God with bold prayers and with things that you're asking God for. You know, in the book, he begins to talk about the Circle Maker book, and he talks about Jericho. And it's really interesting because if you study Joshua, and hello, Joshua, I just met a new Joshua in our church today. Um, So you study Joshua, which you probably have, and we know the story, one of our favorite stories. They're going to march around Jericho, right? So they circled around something that they were wanting God to do. Now, listen, you got to understand that some of you are circling walls of obstacles, and all you can see is the advantage point of your enemy. And then God gives you a strategy that makes no sense. See, what makes sense about marching around walls and blowing trumpets? 
When your enemy has bow and arrows and weaponry and they're looking down on you. And I feel like most of us are trying to march around something without faith because God's strategy doesn't look like your strategy. He may tell you to do something that seems double dumb and stupid, and he usually does, because his ways are not your ways. They're far above your ways. So the strategy God gives you is going to look a little different. So they began marching around. We actually have the verse. Let me share it with you right now. And this is in Joshua. I love this verse. Joshua 1.3, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. Let me tell you what, that verse when I'm walking up Fairmont, that verse when I'm walking around this building, every place my foot touches is from God and from me. If you start walking with authority over your children, over your marriages, over our schools, over our president, over our governor, God told me to pray for him and quit cursing him. No, he did. He told me that yesterday. That man needs our prayers, not our ridicule. He needs Jesus just like you. He may need him more than you, but he needs Jesus. And I think the church is talking double talk. We praise him and then we curse man. God started to speak life over that man. Speak, man, when that man gets radically saved, can you imagine? What if revival came out of the governor getting saved? Have you prayed that? Have you prayed that Newsom, Governor Newsom, you are my governor, get saved. No, Jesus. Bring revival to California. Have you prayed that prayer? I started circling around everywhere my foot touches, everywhere my foot steps, God has given me. So we know the story goes on. I love that. In Joshua 6, we love this um, verse, and he says, on the seventh day, I want you to march around the city seven times with the priest blowing the trumpets doesn't seem to make a lot of sense with the strategy how they're going to win. When you hear them sound the long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout and the walls of the city will collapse and the army will go up everyone straight in and I am walking and I am marching and I am yelling and I am screaming and I am crying out loud. Have you ever wondered why they say for crying out loud? There's a reason they say crying out loud because you're supposed to cry out loud. You're supposed to talk to God. You're supposed to make your request known. You're supposed to walk in authority and power. If all of God is in you, you need to let him go. I mean, some of you, you have got him down on your little toe. You've so stuffed him down and he needs to be let go in your life. He wants to do something powerful in your life. You see, we all have Jerichos in our life, places that the enemies hide and he taunts us, but God wants the walls to come down in your life. I'm telling you what, there, there has to be a revival or there's not going to be an America. Something has to shift in our world And guys, it has to start with his bride, the church. The world doesn't know him. We know him. If anybody ought to make a difference in the world, it needs to be his bride, his church, his children, his people. So what's, yeah, gosh, amen. We got to come. Come on. Let's let So this is what's cool. A thousand years later in that exact location in Jericho was another miracle. Because there was a man named Bartimaeus. And Bartimaeus was blind. And he sat outside the gate and he begged. And he begged, and he begged, and he begged. And I'm reading this verse, so I want you to see the circle maker. So that the history is, they're circling Jericho, they're circling Jericho, they're circling, they're believing God, they take Jericho, the land of milk and honey. Israel goes in, God prospers them. Now a thousand years later, Jesus is on the scene, and there's a beggar outside the city. And the Bible says he's crying out, he's crying out, and all the people are saying, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. Jesus is here. Don't you know Jesus is here? I don't dignify. Like if Jesus walked in the room, would you think you'd sit up straight? Would you like to be dignified? 
because Jesus is in the room. And Jesus walked through, and everybody's trying to make this beggar to be quiet. I want to talk to you today about the steps to answered prayer. The steps to answered prayer. Now, I believe in notes. I believe the Holy Spirit's going to say something I don't say. Get out your phone. Let Holy Spirit speak to you. Write some things down because, guys, you're not going to remember what he says to you. You might leave here today and go, yeah, church was good. I kind of felt something. What did you feel? What did he say? What did you experience? You see, God is a personal God that wants a relationship with you. He doesn't want you to leave the same as you came. Those are called God encounters. And you're supposed to have those when you come to church. You're supposed to have them every day, but at least have them once a week. Okay, so let's move on. The steps, number one, here's the first one. Ask, don't beg. Ask, don't beg. This beggar sat there and he begged and he begged and he begged. And as I was praying, God said, you are my child. You are my daughter. You walk in authority. Quit begging me and start asking me. Ask me with authority. Ask me for exactly what you want. Know what you want and ask me for it. Look at the slide. Now they came to Jericho and he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude. A blind man, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many warned him, being quiet, be quiet, be quiet. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. He cried out, he cried out, he cried out. Be quiet, be quiet. He cried out. Let me ask you something. What are you asking God for? Can you tell me right now? You. Like, could I ask? Can you tell me? What about you? Maybe you. You're spiritual. You know, <laughs> let me see if I see a spiritual glowing face. They know what they want. Do you know exactly what you're asking God for? Your ask is so strong. Listen what the word of God says. And I think it's so important that we know these scriptures. And I believe the Bible says, hide thy word in your heart so you won't sin against God. How do you know what not to do? The word of God. Should I do that? Well, conviction, the word of God, tell me not to. If you don't, the day, God forbid, I would never think we'd be where we are in our country. But God forbid the day comes where we don't have Bibles to read, where we don't have apps we can pull up. Do you know enough of the word of God to make it through? It is your bread of life. And these verses are so good. Now, there's a word in each of these verses I want you to look at. It's the word ask, because I want you to learn to ask, to ask. My daughter's sitting here. She never fails to ask me for everything she wants. (laughs) My boys were the same way. They came to me expecting to get it, not wondering if they would get it. So when it, when it came to a car or a new purse, or a, they came with faith. You know, they knew mama would come through. Do you ask God like that? Do you ask God? So look at these verses, Matthew 7, 7. Most of us know it. What does it say? Well, three of you are asking God right now. Ask, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened unto you. What's the word there? Ask. Let's look at the next slide, 1 John 5, 14. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we... More of you are asking. That's good. All right. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Mark 11, 24. Therefore, I say unto you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe and receive them, and you have them. Listen, he wants you to ask. He wants you to ask. He wants you to know what you want and ask for it. But number two, and this is so important, you got to know what you want. 
You have to know what you want. Now, I just went with my daughter and my two little grandbabies to the um, aquarium. Had a great day. The aquarium's open, still masked, but, you know, you're looking at all these fishes with masks on it, you know. So we get done with that, and we go out for lunch. Now, we go to a restaurant that Jen is very acquainted with. She knows the menu very well. She knows exactly what she wants. And we get there, and we sit down. The waiter hands us the menu. She sets it down because she knows what she's going to get. She knows what the girls want, and we begin talking. And I don't look over the menu. Well, the waiter comes and he says, do you know what you want? And Jen says, oh, yes, I'll have the salad, exactly, have the chicken, blah, blah, blah. The girls will have the macaroni and the grilled cheese, da, da, da. And he looks at me and he says, do you know what you want? No. <laughs> I don't know what I want. Um, um, let me look. Uh, how do I want a salad? Do I want soup? It's kind of cold. Um, maybe I want the chicken. I need some protein, da, da, da. It took me 10 minutes to look over the menu because I didn't know what I wanted. Yeah. This is good. Some of you don't know what you want. And you're wasting everybody's time looking at the menu. The waiter's standing there waiting on me. You've been there, Drew. Come on. Do you like if, Like, look online before you come in. You're wasting my time. All right? Don't you know all these waiters, everybody thinks that. How they just stand there like, okay, idiot, what do you want? I mean, you're on the third time through the menu. Right? Because we don't know what we want. Jen knew exactly what she wanted. She placed her order. If I don't know what I want, I can't place my order. And I'll say that to God. God, this is what I'm asking you for. I know specifically. I know exactly what I want to the detail. When I'm on a prayer walk, and, and I don't often invite people to go with me because I do business on my prayer walks. Some of you have asked me, can I go on a prayer walk with you? Well, first of all, I walk seven to ten miles. So, you know, do you want to walk with me? Let me just be honest with you. Um, I have a motive. I'm training for the El Camino in Spain. And that's... Well, if I do the whole thing, it's 500 miles, but Phil said he'll give me 100. Not walk with me, but he'll let me do it. God forbid he would walk with me. I love you, baby. I'm sure you're watching. Um, so, so you've got to know what you want. So let's look at the scripture. It's so good. Look what it says. Verse 49. So Jesus stood still, and he commanded him to be called. So bring me the guy, he says. They called the blind man, and they said, be of good cheer. Arise, he's calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and he came to Jesus. Now look, Jesus answered and said unto him, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want? He could have said, I want people to quit making fun of me. I want somebody to feed me. I want new clothes. But look what he said. The blind man said to him, Rabbi, that I might receive my sight. There's one thing I want and I know it well. You know, there was a verse, I'm sure that this Bartimaeus was familiar with, and it's Isaiah 35.5, and it said, when the Messiah comes, he will heal the blind. If you were blind, you knew that prophetic word from Jesus, and you had to wonder, would I be the one? I have so prayed for revival in this house that I do not doubt it. I just hope you're here on that Sunday. It's not a matter of when the revival breaks out. It's a matter of if you're here. I, I used to, someone asked me earlier, well, how do you know? I heard a preacher back in the day, he said, I know in my knower that I know what I know. Where's your knower? I don't know where my knower is, but I know in my knower. I know in my spirit. I have asked, I have believed, I have decreed, and we are on good soil. So let me just take a moment and say, I love California. I don't want, you know, you can leave if you need to leave, and you need all the reasons you tell me you need to leave. But listen, this soil is soil of revival. 
The Jesus movement broke out here. Azusa Street broke out here. There is something rich on the soil in California. And if the church would start praying for California and believing in California and asking God to move in California, we would see a revival. So you say, what's a revival? What's a revival? Well, I'm glad you asked. I want to talk to you about revival. I love studying revival. And I'm just, a, Phil and I went to Baptist College, and then we went to seminary, and we studied revivals. And I'm always intrigued, like, God, what is a revival? It's like this shift in people's minds and their hearts, and they see different and act different. They act like God. They look like God. So I love studying revival. And one of the revivals I love to study is called the Welsh Revival. And in, in, in Wales, in 1904 and 1905, there was a massive revival that swept across that nation to where the whole area, everybody was saved. Everybody just came under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. They even say that the men out on the ships at sea without any evangelist or any preacher or any Bible just fell under the spirit of the living God. And all of this is accounted in history. But the, the, one of the men instrumental was Reese Howells. And I love studying him. The book is Reese Howells, Intercessory Prayer. I encourage you guys to read that book. But his son was Samuel Howells, and he took over the Bible College of Wales when, um, when Phil and I lived in Oxford. We wanted to go meet him. We knew he was probably around 80 years old, and uh, Phil said, babe, let's, go, let's drive over to Wales, and let's check out the Bible College of Wales. We've heard about all the revival, and let's go check out Wales. And so this was before Google. So we couldn't Google to see if he was still alive. Um, so when we knocked on the door, uh, the secretary came and Phil said, is Samuel Howe still alive? And the little secretary, she's about this tall, she says, oh, he's very much alive. He is in prayer. And Phil said, well, we'd love to meet him. And it was Jen and Phil and I, and we were studying, he was studying Oxford at the time. This was 98. And so uh, she said, well, let me go see if he can be interrupted. So she goes up the stairs. And he comes down a few moments later, and this short little man, let me tell you, just listen to me a minute. Seriously, before God, I see it right now. As he came down the stairs, I saw a man that had an anointing over him and a peace over him and a presence over him and a power over him that was visible. Do you know when you're around somebody that just, they have the, the aura of God on them? You know, there's something like, it wasn't that he was just a kind man and a good man and a smart man. There was something supernatural about him. And he came in, and we were sitting in the parlor, and Phil said, we just would love to hear stories of the Welsh revival. And he looked at us, and he said, I can give you one hour, and then I must go back and have an audience with the king. That phrase marked me. Do you ever hear something that marks you? Okay, you know, it's like sticks with you, and it changes you, and you have like either course correction or it... Like, it, it marked me in my prayer life because I thought, how often do I have an audience with the king? Meaning that I literally, in my spirit, go up to heaven, in my mind, in my spirit, and I'm at the throne room and I have an audience with the almighty God in prayer. And that man understood it, and for the next hour, he walked us through the revival. Now, I'm going to give you a little comic relief right now. So I'm going to show a picture. Don't show it yet. I'm going to show you a picture of us um, meeting with Samuel House because I want you to see him. Now, what's going to happen is you're going to see Pastor Phil and I and Jen, and you're going to really laugh hard. And then once you get over the laughter, and I already told Lisa only three minutes on the screen, so no one takes photos and puts this on social media. All right, because this was the 90s, and in the 90s, it was called Big Hair. All right, and the second thing about the 90s is Phil was at, listen, Phil was at Oxford University. And he was very dignified. And he had to like dress dignified. It was before he came to California and got cool. All right, just that's, so I'm gonna give it to you for three seconds. What I want you to see when you get past the laughter, and baby, sorry, I didn't show you this photo, so 
love me. All right, is I want you to see Reese Howells. I want you to see a man that prayed 12 hours every day of his life. It was his heartbeat. You get in the presence of people that really know how to intercede and pray. They're, they're, they are people who are called to that and designed. I mean, they just have a desire for the supernatural spiritual things of God. Okay, one, two, three, go, Lisa. I told you. Oh, good Lord. Okay, see how little little Ruth is? Okay, oh, she did. Thank you, Lisa. <laughs> okay, maybe one more minute because I just want them to see Samuel. This man right here, see this little guy? And I asked him about I said, well, you're dressed awful nice. And he said, I dress for the king every morning. See, he had a mindset of how big God is. He had a mindset of when he goes to God, listen, he goes, he asks because he knows what he wants. He wanted revival in his nation. He wanted a move of God. Okay, that's enough. He wanted a move of God in his nation. Let me show you this slide, this next one I love, the slide of his father. Let me give you a couple um, things I think are really, really good. Listen to this one. I'm going to give you a quote first. Listen, these are so good. One thing is clear. The revival was not the product of someone's personality or another person's preaching or anyone's planning, but the revival was of God's gracious response to prayers of his people. God's revival came because of the prayers of his people. The definition of revival is the awakening or the quickening of God's people to their true nature. Have you ever been awoken? Uh, Pastor Phil and I kept our little granddaughters this week for a few days when Jen and Brandon went away on their anniversary. And about 2 o'clock in the morning, Gracie Bell came in, and she's standing next to me, you know, Gammy, Gammy, Gammy. I said, oh, come on, get in bed with me. And she's snuggling up with me. And then she looks over, and she goes, what's Papa doing? I said, well, honey, that's called snoring. <laughs> and she said, why? And I said, wake him up. And so she's, Papa, Papa, you're making a funny noise. And she woke him up. And he's like, well, 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 hi, Gracie Bell, right? And I realize that's what's happening. A lot of us are asleep and we're snoring. We're making a whole lot of noise that nobody knows what it is because we're not awake in the spirit, right? We're not awake in the spirit. I love this definition of what revival is. It's the awakening or the quickening of God's people to their true nature and purpose. Whitney, you did such a beautiful job explaining to us all this earthly stuff that we all have and all the blessings of California and all the junk and the stuff and this, it just, it's, it's overwhelmed us. And I, and I love all the stuff I'm blessed with, but guys, I, if, you, if it gets in your way of seeing God, get it out of the way. I'm talking about eternity with God. Listen, listen to, I love this, what Reese Howell said. You can't hear the things of the spirit while you have turmoil and fear in you. You can't take a shade of fear into the presence of God. Oh man, isn't that good? Isn't that good? Listen to this one. I want you to put the slide up right now of, of, of um, Reese Howells. This was the father in 1904 that was a part of the revival. And look what he said. You, oh, you may live in a crowd but you meet God face to face in eternity alone. Now, I'm just giving me a minute. This is so good. I'm sorry, I'm gonna take a little extra time because I think this is good. You have to be okay being alone with God. 
You have to be okay. And the thing I love about my prayer walks is I'm alone with God. I so know how to talk to him and walk to him and look to him. I look at him face to face, eye to eye. I make my request. I make my ask. I'm comfortable with him here and now, so I'm not going to fear him when I go then. I know how to look at him face to face. You are born individually and independently from everyone else. I love my husband, and part of my biggest problem is I've been under his shadow for so many years because he's powerful and he's strong and he's smart and all those things that we can come under the shadow of someone. But the Bible says I abide under the shadow of the Almighty and none other. And I'm telling that to somebody in the house that finds your identity, that finds your purpose in someone other than God alone. You're going to stand before God, every one of you, without exception, eye to eye with God. Do you know him? You can meet him through prayer. You can talk to him through prayer. The last thing, and I think it's so important, look what he says, go your way in faith. He looks at the blind man and he said, ask me what you want. What do you want? Go your way in prayer. The Bible says, then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus. And what hit me in this verse was Jesus said, get up and go. Go anywhere you want. Go tell everybody you're healed. Go back to your family. But where did he go? He followed Jesus. Where do we go? For Lord, you have the words of life. Are you following Jesus? After Jesus gives you your request, do you go your own way? Or do you stay following Jesus for the next request and the next request and the next request? I, this is my definition of faith, unwavering belief. I will not waver in my belief. I'm asking God for something specifically right now, and it's done. It's done. I do not waver in my ask. I don't shift back and forth. Will you? Maybe. What if you don't? How am I going to process if you don't? No, you will. Now you say, does he always? He walks with me in my will, and I process through it along the way. I'd rather walk that line of faith than give God an out, and I never see a miracle. Are you with me? Are you believing God? Day after day, I walked this building and declared this building, and we sit here today. I believe there's two type of prayers, things that are prayed by you and things that are prayed for you. Things that are prayed by you and things that are prayed for you. I want to end with this verse, and I think it's so good. Many of us know it, and I think it's just going to be healing over a lot of people today. In Philippians 4, the Bible says, listen, be anxious for some things because it's a pandemic. Oh, wait, sorry. Um, be anxious for nothing. Look, Right now, there's anxiety, there's fear, there's anger, there's separation, there's dissension. The enemy is bringing all kinds of issues through drugs and opioids and suicide and divorce and pornography. I can't even tell you as pastors of a church how we're ministering like we never have in 40 years of ministry to the church. People are broken and people are hurt, and yet the word of God says, be anxious for nothing. And I love how he always gives us an answer but instead, the opposite of, but in, that means the spouse that you're not getting along with and the child that's wayward and the temptation of the sex and the drugs and the alcohol, but in everything by what? Prayer. prayer. Now remember prayer is just talking, talking, telling him what you want, giving him your request by prayer and supplication. Let me just explain this quickly. The word supplication is the word petition. Because some people said, well, aren't those the same thing? 
A prayer is your verbal request. By prayer, supplication is a written request. At the prayer wall, that prayer wall is filled with supplications. Those are people that wrote out their prayers and put them in the wall. By prayer and supplication, let your what? Your request, and everyone in here has a request today. Financially, family, health, freedom. Everyone in here has a request. Let your request be made note unto God. Look what it said. I love this. And the peace of God, and that's the name Shalom. You'll read about that in your fasting book. Jehovah Shalom, he's your peace. Look, 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 look. The peace of God will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. The word guard is garrison. He puts a garrison around your heart and your mind. Did you know that God has a garrison around your heart when you pray? He has a garrison, a troop that guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing. And I don't know everyone in here has a little level of anxiety today. We live in a heck of a time right now. Be anxious for nothing, Tammy. Not for the doctor's report, the struggle in your marriage, your finances, the future of America. Be anxious for nothing, but baby girl, listen to me. In every single thing you think about all day long, in everything, come to me with prayer and supplication. Write it out. Put it in a prayer wall. And let my peace, which surpasses all comprehension, there is no comprehension. I can't even comprehend. You know when you see somebody in major crisis and you're like, how are you so calm? That's that garrison, that peace that guards their heart and their mind. See, that's what prayer does. And let me tell you why you need to pray. You need to communicate with your father because he's a good, good father that has so much for you. I'm gonna encourage you to do it individually. Do it with your family and your children and all those things. But guys, don't be afraid to get alone with God and pray. Don't be afraid to go to the prayer wall. Don't be afraid to get alone. In, in our home, I have a prayer room called my war room. You have to the movie, everybody wanted a war room. Remember the movie that came out? And I'm praying one day, and I got that image. You know the image in the Bible where we see Jesus in the pictures? And they've had pictures in the Bible back in the day. And Jesus was in Gethsemane, and he's praying over this rock. You know, and he's praying, and he's praying. And I'm going, I need a prayer rock. I got to get a prayer rock in my room. The only problem is, you know, it was a boulder. And I'm thinking, how do I get Phil to get a boulder up on the second floor of our house in my prayer room? And I'm out praying one day, and I passed one of those, you know, those boulders that they put over landscaping things, and they're fake, and they're light. You know, you just go down Home Depot and get it, but it looks like a big rock. You know, aesthetically, it's beautiful. That was my boulder. So I went down to Home Depot. I picked up my boulder, and I just brought it home, ran up the stairs, put that in there. And I wrote on it, prayer rock. And then on my pen, I began to put the things that God wants me to pray for. So my grandchildren are on it, and my husband and my marriage and this church and women of influence, influence music. And as Holy Spirit prompts me, I just take my pen and I put on my prayer rock. And I get that picture because I see Jesus as he's praying, God, not my will, but your will be done. And he's praying. Do whatever you have to do to pray. A prayer walk, a prayer rock, a prayer friend. God knows we need to be praying right now. I want this church to be a church of prayer. I want this church to be a church of miracles. I want to be the catalyst for revival in California. 
And I'm going to ask you to join me in that prayer. You may not be there yet, but we're all on the journey. Maybe you've just taken a step or two in that direction. But it's a journey. It's an everyday journey. So my request of you and my ask of you today is that as we leave, um, we have our prayer team at the wall. We have some stanchions where if you'd like to go and actually take a prayer request, because that's called a petition, remember? Prayers and petitions. Would you get serious with God? Guys, my appeal is we so need God to move in our nation, our schools, our jobs, our homes. Who's going to pray if you don't pray? Where is revival going to come if it doesn't come from the church? He's called us and he's tasked us. So I'm going to ask you, as you leave today, to go by the store, pick up a book. I ordered these believing you would buy them. Please buy them. They're great books, a circle maker book. It's a great book. Pick up some clothing, support the women's ministry. Go by the prayer wall. Smile at somebody. Come to church on Sundays. Walk in obedience to God. Make your requests known. Ask. Know what you want and go in faith. Would you stand with me? You know, I've said before, Pastor Phil is kind of, you know, he's, he's the brains. He's the prophetic word. We all love him. And, and um, he's actually preaching in um, Colorado Springs. So pray for him. But we love this church. God gave us this church to birth and to shepherd as your pastors. And so when I have an opportunity to share my heart, I bring you more of a message from like a mama's heart. I'm kind of the mama of the house. Every once in a while you get that little mama message. And I, ha- and, it, and I take this very serious when I have an opportunity to stand here before you. And I pray that you know my heart. And I pray that you know that I pray for you. I pray for this church. I pray that God would do something in us in a mighty, mighty way. And I love you dearly.